Remember the door-to-door -door salesman? Good morning, madam. Good morning. I'm afraid I don't want to. You've been selected for a special introductory offer, madam. Using one of the many tricks to interest you, he'll keep talking, exaggerating. My sense is he got largely replaced by the robocall. Hi, I'm calling from Vehicle Servicing to reach out regarding the factory warranty on your vehicle. Our records indicate it's past the coverage expiration. Okay, but if there well, isn't enough to be annoyed about in 2020, now we have this. Can anyone hear me? We can Hello. hear you. Yeah, we no, can we all can hear, hear you. you. Yeah, Guys, sorry, just you. before we begin, can I just go to the bathroom quickly? Okay, um, uh, I'm just going to go ahead. Does anybody really need Zoom call salespeople? Really? This show is all about separating hype from fundamental change. I'm Paul Jarley, Dean of the College of Business here at UCF. I've got lots of questions. To get answers, I'm talking to people with interesting insights into the future of business. Have you ever wondered, is this really a thing? On to our show. Necessity really is the mother of invention. Case in point, how do you sell people stuff if lockdown orders and social distancing norms mean you can't meet with potential customers in person? Answer, virtual selling. Google it and you'll see how many YouTube videos you can find featuring people who are now positioning themselves as virtual selling experts. YouTube is the happy home of many a modern day snake oil salesman. So, I wanted to talk to a few sales experts and get their take on virtual selling and whether I need to incorporate this into the business school curriculum. Listen in. So what the heck is virtual selling and how does it differ from other forms of selling? I think virtual selling in general is a way to communicate using digital platforms and technology in order to still be able to to do business. Kathleen Lima is a sales manager at Gartner, and more importantly, a graduate of our professional selling program. It's something that I know at Gartner, we, we do a lot in our, our mid-sized channel. We do almost full virtual selling. We've always been doing that. Uh, in the field, we've been much more face-to-face -face and, and local, but in general, to me, virtual selling is very much just using digital platforms in order to still build relationships with clients and to get business done. Keith, are we on TikTok, Zoom? What are we on? <laughs> That's so interesting. No. Keith Lubner is chief business strategist at Sales Gravy. Vir virtual, virtual selling is, you think about it, virtual selling is, we've been doing selling this way since, uh, since the dawn of time, since smoke signals, basically. <laughs> and when you really think back on it, I mean, we're selling, we've been selling virtually and we've been, it's not, like all these virtual platforms are anything new. We've been using it for, for years. It just so happened that now we've been forced into this in a really uh, profound way. So well, how it's vastly different though from face-to-face -face selling is it's basically selling without all your senses. Think about mm. it. When you're face-to-face, -face, you have that, you know, you can read people, you can pick up on their mannerisms, you can, everything is normal in that environment from things like the audio or, or, or the lighting or how they look. And when you move into a virtual world, you have to be really intentional now, whereas before you didn't have to be intentional about all of these senses. You have to be intentional about how your, your audio sounds. And the reason you want to do that is you don't want to create on the other end you don't want to create a lot of, uh, and, and we, we talk about this in, 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 in the book that Jeb, Jeb Blunt, our founder, yeah. wrote. Mm -hmm. We talk about how if we don't normalize the environment for people going from in-person to face to, to, to virtual, 
that we're creating all of these processes in the brain that will create a lot of what we call cognitive load. And when that happens, you, you slow down and you don't have great interactions. So you have to be really intentional about all these things to make the environment seem normal so that you minimize those, those processes that are kicking off in somebody else's brain. That's where it's vastly different because in person, you take it for granted. You just do it. You just, it's natural for every single human to have a face-to-face -face meeting. You're not thinking about the lighting. You're not thinking about anything like that. Now you have to. Neither of you may be old enough to know this, but there's a really famous United commercial, probably from the, I'm going to guess the 80s, where the guy comes in to the office and he says, our oldest client fired me today. He said, we didn't know who he was anymore. We meet with our customers on the phone. We send faxes and he hands out plane tickets to everybody in the room, telling them they're going to go meet their clients face to face. I, I think that commercial won hundreds of awards. I remember that commercial. Yeah, B Bill's, <laughs> Bill's, <I do> not. <laughs> Bill Steiger's old enough to know who those people are. <laughs> I remember that one. So is, is that the old school version of virtual selling on the, on, on the phone facts? I think so. I mean, I, I know when I even started doing virtual selling, we didn't really use video whatsoever. Uh -huh. And that was the norm because that was the culture and the norm. We just did conference calls. Now, I think it is much more important than ever to do video. Uh, we have gone almost full video in any meeting we have now with clients or internal, we are almost full video, which is different. Um, and two, it's even more important now to build that rapport because a lot of times when you at least when we were virtual selling before, we had a 30 minute time slot. We had specific things we had to get done. You, you check all the boxes, you go through. And now this is the normal. So you have to be able to build those relationships and know who you, your customers are to your point and not forget who they are. Uh, but you have to be able to do it without being able to go to lunch with them or sit across a desk from them and, and, walk into their office and talk about your families as you're walking through the hallways. You just don't have that anymore. Uh, so rapport is even more important. Is this used largely in B2B sales situations or are there B2C applications as well? You know, I, I think, you know, it, it's large, it's from what we're seeing, it's largely B2B and people are really struggling with how do they, you know, and I hear this a lot from these, the, you know, folks that are just superstars in sales and, the superstars in sales had, uh, what Kathleen was getting at was so true. They, they, they had this innate ability to, just to build rapport. They were brilliant at it in person. And all of a sudden, they're like a, like a fish out of water, basically, when, when they come into the, to, to the virtual world. They're struggling mightily, mightily, mightily with that. So I think when, you know, when we think about selling um, in, this new, in this new paradigm, it, it goes back to things I was talking about earlier as far as normalizing the environment. Uh -huh. Because building rapport and normalizing the environment is so, so darn important now. And it's really important for those people that just, they innately knew how to do it before. And now they're in this world where they, they have no idea how to do it. And, they're, and they just struggle. So we get, so we're the same way. We, we teach a lot of classes on this. And we we're telling people at all times, always be video ready. You know, we call it BVR, be video ready yourself because you want to try to make that connection with someone. And the only way you truly can read someone or make that connection is if they're also on video. 
because then you could pick up on all the nonverbal communication that, that they're giving you, which is normally what they would do in person. And that's where people are struggling. They're struggling with how do, we, how do they do that? How do they interact that way? How do they, they handle all that? Yeah, and I think in terms of B2B versus B2C, I know at least in our research, it says that by 2025, 80% of B2B, B2B sales interactions between suppliers and buyers will occur in digital channels. Uh, I think it's possible to do B2C. I think it might be a, a little bit different than B2B. Yeah, here's why I'm asking, Kathleen, right? I assume, maybe wrongly, so help me out here, that in most of those B2B sales situations, you already have some relationship with that customer. Because here's the thing, from a B2C standpoint, I'm not accepting a Zoom call mm -hmm. as a consumer. I'm on Zoom enough. You're just not getting me <laughs> yep. there. So, I mean, it's hard for me to understand virtual cold calls. I just don't really see that as something that's that's likely to be a thing, is it? I think it's interesting because I just had this happen to me on the other side where I had someone prospect into me really? from a B2C perspective. Ah. But what people are doing that seems to work is you're right. Am I going to, if I was in a B2C organization, just set up a Zoom meeting and call someone and hope that they'll talk to me in video? Um, they tell me to get lost, right. but people are actually utilizing from a B2C perspective, LinkedIn a lot more and other platforms to build those relationships and, and make them more warm leads and then ask, hey, are you open to having a meeting about that? And then if you're open to meeting as a consumer, that's when they can send a Zoom meeting. And I know at least for me, I might at least pick up and listen because now it's something we've already been talking. We've been messaging on LinkedIn. We've been having conversations and it just, it feels much more real versus if someone just sent me a Zoom cold call of some sort, I absolutely would not pick up. Keith, do you have thoughts on that? A hundred percent. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we you know, <laughs> here at our company, we're teaching a lot of sales professionals. We yeah. do it day in and day out. And what, 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 we're, what we're seeing is uh, absolutely people are utilizing they're utilizing LinkedIn or utilizing other platforms as well. We're seeing more and more of these social platforms coming into, um, into the, the business space actually. And, he, and they're also, and here's, here's what they're also doing. They're, they're taking all of these different modes of communication and really all these modes of communication fall into really two buckets, you know, synchronous and asynchronous mm -hmm. modes, you know, bi-directional and one way. And what they're doing is they're, they're blending them into their processes. So they're blending, you know, a phone call, they're blending text, they're blending video messaging, which is really starting to come out really strong um, these days as far as making connections. They're actually utilizing video messaging through the social platforms and through other apps to make those connections that they normally couldn't make. And it's, 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 it's not as dramatic as, as it would be to just send somebody a virtual you know, link to a Zoom meeting or, or any other platform and say, come on, let's get on that. But it's a, it's a way of, for somebody to see, even from a prospecting perspective, to see the person, to see the enthusiasm, to, to, to read their manner, mannerisms, whatever the case may be, in, in a really non-threatening way. And that is opening the door to actually getting them onto a virtual meeting. So this blending all these approaches is really the key as people move forward. It's really the key of true productivity. It, it's how they, how they use something like video and they insert it into uh, where they would normally maybe do an in-person and how do they use the phone effectively and how they tie 
texting into all this. Now they've been doing that in a way, but now it's now we're what we're doing is we're bringing virtual technologies really to the forefront in the in this blending concept. Yeah, um, this is going to get me in trouble, but I've seen my wife do some of this, like on Facebook Live, you know, where they'll they'll have like open <laughs> demonstration sessions and sell products that way. It's sort of intriguing to see how that that's worked, but I guess that's a form of virtual selling as well. Yeah. If I, if I think yeah. about it that way, like I, I'm not sure I know what Tupperware is doing these days, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had a similar kind of approach to that going forward. So talk, yeah, talk a little bit about what the main barriers are here to overcome. You touched on it a little bit, particularly with respect to senses, but what other barriers are there? Sure. Well, I mean, psychologically, people feel threatened when you move them out of their safety zone. Mm -hmm. And their safety zone has always been in person. Think about the um, those, those superstar sales people I was talking about earlier. Their safety zone is when they're in person with somebody and they're going face to face. And that's most people. And as soon as you start to bring somebody out of their safety zone, as soon as they, um, you start to touch on that safety bias that their brains inherently create for themselves, they immediately feel uncomfortable. They feel vulnerable. And that's exactly what's happening when you bring somebody into uh, a virtual world because, quite frankly, the camera can be intimidating. And people feel threatened. They feel it's different. They, they're looking for something that's wrong in the environment, not for something that's right in the environment. So when they move into a virtual world, they're not saying, hey, this is the best thing. I can't wait to do that. What they're thinking is, oh, man, this is going to make me uncomfortable, and I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So the barrier is psychological right there, and the barrier is, is, is getting them to understand that it's okay. Now, when they come in, the other barrier is the environment that they're in has to be set up so it mimics or or duplicates what an in-person world would look like. And that goes back to little things like lighting, little things like audio, uh, little things like where the camera angle is at. I mean, things like that now matter because of the moving somebody out of their safety zone in, into, into this world. And it, when you make them feel comfortable, then those barriers go down. When they don't feel comfortable, fight or flight kicks in. Mm -hmm. They're either gonna fight it day in and day out or they're gonna run for the hills. Yeah, see, I, I would guess that it would just be easier to say no to you on Zoom or virtually <laughs> than it would be in person. Is, is, is that true? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Let yeah. Me look, look in the bottom right-hand corner of every Zoom meeting. It, it's, it's leave meeting or turn video <laughs> off. Right. I mean, look how easy it is for somebody to, to disengage. So uh, one of the challenges we, we, we're, we're finding and we're teaching people on this is how do you keep the attention levels high on these meetings? How do you collaborate? How do you keep, keep them engaged in, in these meetings when clearly they have these very immediate options? And clearly sometimes you can see that they're multitasking. Yeah. yeah. I think video is key for all of this because to your point, yes, is it easier to say no virtually? Yes. However, if you're on video and you're still looking at someone face to face, it's still pretty difficult. And I think the size of the room makes a difference. If you have 20 people and you're doing a demonstration, that's very different than if you are selling to a, a C-level executive and maybe one or two other people in that virtual room. Mm -hmm. It's just more interactive. So you have to plan ahead of, it might sound great if someone says, I want to bring my entire team, but it might not be the best move for you if it becomes a situation where there's too large of a number. And because of that, it's not interactive and people shut off their video and start doing other things. 
You know, it's funny. Burnout is absolutely a thing. And that's something for, for my team specifically, we consistently talk about and try to avoid as much as possible. I feel like the default for meetings, if you're going to be doing them virtually are 30 minute meetings. It's just the default. It's just what we're used to. That's not necessarily the most productive use of time because between rapport, between everything, just getting to know these clients, you don't really get to the meat of the meeting by the time it's over. So it could seem like it's less efficient. So we always try to make our meetings an hour. We still try to space out our meetings. We don't want to go back to back to be able to get up, walk around, just like you'd be getting in your car, except for now. Yeah, right. It's a 30 second to a minute. So it's... it could be exhausting. You just have to, you have to very, you have to be very, very clear on your schedule so you don't get burned out. Are some people better at this than others? Is this a young people's game? I think in general, it is people who have grown up in this environment. So I think UCF in general, we've, we've all had some sort of digital class. Uh, we're used to that. And when we go to like I said, where you start. Yeah, that doesn't right. mean the faculty member's good at it, though. <laughs> Sometimes I, I just, I remember I was in a class with 1,200 students, and you know what? It worked out fine. And um, oh, you learn a little bit what not to do, too, right? Yeah, Sometimes. you learn what to do, what not to do, um, <laughs> and, all, and all that. And I do think, too, when you go, so we start in a channel where it's mostly digital yeah. regardless. Yeah. So a lot of the people on my team who I have hired are people from that channel. I have promoted them into the large enterprise mm-hmm. organization and they are fantastic at this. This is no different for them at all versus others who come from the outside who have a lot of field sales experience and a lot of in-person experience. They're incredible at sales, but it was a much, much bigger shift for them mm-hmm. versus here. It's just it's just like we're back in Fort Myers. We're just doing everything on video. Yeah. So I think it's just more of creating that culture of what you're used to mm-hmm. and making it the norm. Eventually, we're all going to have to be there. But for people who already have that sort of training, it's very easy to move into this fully virtual world. Keith, is that true? Can you not teach old dogs new tricks? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, 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 it, it, I, I'm, I'm, I would agree absolutely. Here's the thing, the if there's a good side, if there's a silver lining to the pandemic, the silver lining is, is that it's forcing people to accelerate their acceptance of technology and to adapt to all of it and to flex to it. So it's forcing generations that maybe would, uh, would not accept this, would maybe say, oh, I'm just going to do the, my, my things my way all the time. It's forcing those generations to catch up, if you will. I don't know, I mean, Keith. I Josh is trying to get me to go on TikTok and do some things, and I'm I'm really <laughs> resisting this idea. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because in a, in a recent class that I taught, one of the participants asked me about these platforms, and they said, "Is is TikTok going to be, you know, is that a platform we should look at?" And while your first our first tendency is to laugh about that, when you really think about it. It's something that we just have to have our eyes on because it could maybe someday do what LinkedIn did. I mean, LinkedIn years ago was was just a repository for yeah. your credentials, like a CV. And now, now it's a platform for communicating and utilizing it in the sales process. 
Yeah, but I'm a 61-year-old guy, you know, and I realized that, like, being on Instagram would just be creepy. I'm not sure TikTok would be any better. <laughs> well, I'm not too far behind you, let me tell you. So, so but, but my point is, it accelerates. In some realms, we're never going to do those things. But in others, it's accelerating. Even in our generation, it's accelerating it. And I look across, you know, my, my kids are in their, in their 20s, and they pick up this technology a lot easier. Now, what's interesting is... This is where cross generations can train each other. Whereas we can train them on utilizing all these different modes of communication, mm -hmm. the phone and all of that, where they have never been exposed to that because they're they're primarily growing up in a world where texting is the is the mode of communication. So we can play off one another, I think, really well in in in, in these environments. Well, I I would agree that I think that the acceptance of virtual forms of communication are way up. That the pandemic has actually forced that. That will continue in some form, but 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 I do wonder whether virtual selling will have staying power past the pandemic or not. What do you think? Has it just become part of the mix? Because here's yeah. the thing: if you're willing yeah. to come visit me, you're showing more effort. I'm going to pay more attention to you. Well, it it's going to be part of the mix. I mean, it, it's it's a pendulum has swung all the way this across to yeah. now just completely virtual, and it will swing back. And when it swings back, it's not going to swing all the way back where we're not doing virtual anymore. It's going to swing back to some point in the middle where there's a, there's a happy blend of efficiency. And the happy blend of efficiency will be, in, you'll include virtual mm -hmm. techniques in there. And you'll use it, you know, like I said before, very tactically and strategically within your sales process. That's where it's going to be utilized. So it's not going to be all in one way or all in the other. And, you know, I, and I crave, just like everybody else, I crave some in-person environments and for training and all of that we all do but we're gonna we know we're gonna be blending both as we move forward for for a long long period of time kathleen i agree and i i do think too it will depend on the industry and what you're selling if it's something that's very tangible it might make sense to go in person to actually show the product itself to be able to show all of the different features and functionalities if it's not as tangible uh, virtual selling might become more so. Yes, we're still going to do in-person, absolutely. And I I would be remiss if I said we're not. Um, but if you can show features and functionalities and it's just not as tangible, it might change the sales process itself of when we are qualifying, do we do more virtual? Mm -hmm. And then perhaps in the beginning, do more face-to-face -face, or at the end, do more face-to-face. -face. Um, it'll change the process itself. Or more virtual workshops around the product? Exactly. Something yeah. where if you're still doing, let's say, the education process. Yeah, right. You know, you can do that virtually because now we've seen it's been proven that it can work because uh -huh. we're still selling. The world is still selling and it, it's shown that it's worked. So I think we can incorporate that into our sales process where before that would absolutely have not been a thing. We would have gone into the office and, and done all of those lunch and learns in person. Yeah. Let me take you in just a little bit of a different direction since I have you here. And I'm a dean with a bunch of students. Well, I, I graduate 2000 a year and these aren't the easiest times for them. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what students, particularly who are trying to build relationships and secure internships and jobs going forward, what can they learn from virtual selling that they might be able to apply to help them build relationships and get to where they want to go? You know, I think they could, you know, and I, and I, I'm right there with you. I have a, uh, 
college freshman. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, want, I ponder this often. Uh, and, and I think what, what they can learn from all of this is that you need to meet people how they want to be met. And if, if you meet people, if they need to be met virtually, you meet them virtually. If, if, if you need to meet people um, in person, in, in person. If they want to be met with through texting or email or whatever mode of communication, your ability to adapt and be flexible to those people is, is really critical. And I think they, especially my, my daughter, she's, she's learning that she has to understand that flexibility because some people will want that in person and other people won't. And, uh, and, I, and I'm hoping I'm answering your question yeah. appropriately because I'm thinking with regard to my daughter and how she's interacting. And when, when she's, starting to, she's starting to make friends and she's starting to go through that whole process there, uh, it's, it's really difficult for them right now because you know, they're, they're trying to balance these modes of communication and they're, they're a little confused as to how to do it and how to, how, to, how to build relationships. But I think if they can get it down and they can meet people, like I said, where they want to be met, that will help them in whatever career they go into, whether it's selling or, or whatever. Definitely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think in general, students are, I, I would assume, tell me if I'm wrong, they are adapting to this new world. Um, well, some of them are, some of them aren't. I mean, to be quite honest yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's definitely new. I, I would think from a, both a personal and a business perspective, there's been a lot of different changes. And I do think it will become a bit of the new normal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, the longer this goes on, the more students will begin to adapt. And, you know, to your question around, is this, how can we help them? And, and is this something we should do? Mm-hmm. I do think having some sort of training right from the get-go would, would make this more normal for them. And if it's more normal for them, then they adapt quicker. And if they adapt quicker, it, it helps overall. It helps from their own mental health. It helps from their skill set. It helps from um, de- just development. If we, can, if we can adapt and assume that this is going to be somewhat of the new norm, and then from there adjust accordingly, especially from an education and training perspective. That's a great segue to my final question. So <laughs> is, is, vir- thank you. Is, uh, is virtual selling going to be a thing five years from now? Yes or no. And what will it look like? Kathleen? I'd say yes, 100%. Yes. I think the more the world in general is moving more digital with or without this pandemic, obviously this has really made this more escalated more quickly, but yes, I do think it is here to stay. I would absolutely advise to incorporate this somehow into lessons, into the business school, whatever whatever needs to happen to help students adapt quicker so they are much more successful when they go into the business world. Keith? 100%, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Five years, 10 years, it's gonna be part, it, it's gonna be part of our, our, just our DNA of how we do things. And you think about, you know, I think we're going to see a shift, even a, a, even a faster shift into direct messaging through, through different apps mm-hmm. as well and how we're communicating that way. All of that's moving. And those that can adapt to that, embrace it, if you will, will, will thrive. When you think about just some basic stuff around training people, for instance, companies are now looking at, you know, the bottom line savings that they can take on with training people virtually 
that's going to continue to, to increase as time goes on as well. They're not going to shift all the way back to bringing all of their people in from all over the country for, for training events because it's, it's, a, it's a very high you know, expense. Yep. What they're going to do is they're going to look at how can they leverage virtual and train people virtually and minimize the expenses, but get the outcomes that they're looking to, to, to get from, from a training. And that's just one example. I think over five years, you're going to see more and more examples of where people are going to weave this into their processes and make it a normal process. It's my podcast, so I get to go last. This discussion left me wanting more, so I consulted my resident expert, Dr. Bill Steiger. Bill is the director of our professional selling program. He wrote back this, virtual communication is the thing. Virtual selling is a subset of virtual communication and likely the most significant change in the sales process since cell phones. Bill's point is, if a new way of communication develops, you can rest assured somebody is going to try to sell you something using that new platform. In that sense, Virtual selling is a thing because virtual communication has become a thing. For virtual selling to become a big thing, customers will have to embrace it. As Keith said, You need to meet people how they want to be met. And I'm not sure why customers would prefer this method. Is it a more convenient form of buying for the customer? It certainly saves the seller travel costs. But I'm not sure it's more convenient for the consumer. Does it represent an easy way to get information they need without having to suffer the whole sales pitch? This got touched on a bit when Kathleen noted, You're now on the computer. We can go through and, and start looking up answers right on the spot, and we can pivot a lot quicker. If virtual selling is going to be a thing, it's going to need to be a customer thing, not a sales thing. But my guess is, is that virtual selling is going to be much more limited in scope once things open up again. It might form a chapter in a book on sales, but I doubt it will be a whole new curriculum. What do you think? Check us out online and share your thoughts at business.ucf.edu slash podcast. You can also find extended interviews with our guests and notes from the show. Special thanks to my producer, Josh Miranda, and the whole team at the Office of Outreach and Engagement here at the UCF College of Business. And thank you for listening. Until next time, charge on. Internet killed the video star.